0: Pod, 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 pod.
1: Rugby
2: pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan. Big Jim and Goodyear are with me as usual. We'll be rounding up all the action from a packed opening weekend of European rugby, dissecting the major talking points and looking ahead to round two of the Champions Cup. Plus, we'll be joined by former rugby league legend and now Leicester Tigers assistant coach Kevin Sinfield. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. How's the holiday going, Jim? Yeah, it's
1: not going. I'm not there.
0: What? What, what do you mean? You've been you've been boasting about it and saying you, the countdown's on. Yeah, you're in Dubai, aren't you? Yeah. You look, mate. You look well tanned no. and happy. And no.
1: no, no. Can you see the high and tight? It's not been done. <laughs> so. No, lads. Thank you. Uh, I'm not there. I'm raging. I'm gutted. It's back to lateral flows, watching the news, late nights, windy trees, a load of bollocks. Really, let's be honest.
0: The missus and the four kids were going to be knees around their ears in economy and you were going straight turn left into business class. And what's happened?
1: They were coughing, weren't they? The twins. Little rascals, them. Little love of all things, them. <laughs> they were coughing, weren't they? They were coughing. So both got chest infections just in time to go on holiday. <laughs> and they're all antibiotics. And we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. We can't go on holiday. And we've had to cancel it. So I'm, I'm gutted. I mean, but what what, what the hell can you do? I, I I almost tweeted about it. I actually did tweet about it. It's more acceptable now to probably fart, cup, eat a fart, throw it at someone than it is to cough in public. And our twins are coughing and spluttering and probably farting at the same time. They can't <laughs> be doing it on a plane, can they? Full-on chest infections. Uh, anyway, they're, they're fine. Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm glad they're okay. And... Uh, We've hopefully rescheduled for Jan, but no, I'm not happy at all. i would be honest, I'm not happy. I'm pretty down about it because I've been looking forward to it, as we know. Since your first holiday, Andrew, one or five, two years ago, I was thinking, mine's coming. It's coming. It ain't. No, I feel for you. It's, it's actually six that I've had, James, not five. But yeah, um, I feel for you. It must be... <laughs>
0: Must be pretty brutal, pretty bleak up in Scotland. I mean, imagine living in Scotland, how cold it is up there and you, you sh- you're supposed to be in Dubai.
2: I guess like the positive out of the situation is you've been able to test out your brand new home studio, gym.
1: Yeah, that's on pause as well because the neighbour's pulling down a tree on our boundary that they asked us to pay for to take down so they could do some work. And when they knocked on the door, I said, come at me, mate. Come at me. <laughs> Come on, you. I'm meant to be in Dubai. Uh, Anything. (laughs) So you're excited about Christmas, though, mate? I'm excited about Christmas, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait. (laughs) Have you done your Christmas
0: shopping? Have you done your
1: Christmas shopping, James? Well, Amazon's... Getting an hammer in at the minute. That's all I'm
0: saying. <laughs> oh, day in the life of James Hamilton. I love it. Goody
2: things looking up for you, mate. <laughs> you got you got something. You got something positive to tell us.
0: I'm a bit tired today. Actually, I had a busy weekend. Was uh, was double bobble over the weekend. Um, was it? No, working. James working. So um, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the miss and the kids over the weekend really. I think they're quite happy about that. Well, the miss is definitely. Is the kids. I actually got some nice cuddles off them when I got back last night from. The Coventry Building Society Arena. But yeah, it's yeah, Saturday I was in BT Sport all day with Rory Best. What a, what a bloke he is. I know we've had him on the podcast, but um, actually nice to spend a bit of time when you're watching a game and you're actually not working, because obviously we do pre-match, half-time and post-match, just chewing the fat with him. And he's lost plenty of fat, and I've gained it over retirement. So um, I love Rory yeah.
1: Best. If it weren't for him, I nearly wouldn't have been a lion. It's down to him that I nearly was a lion, I should say. Took him to the cleaners, didn't I, in 2013? Deluded as well, James. That did, yeah. So, big shout-out, Rory Best. Thank you.
0: So, yeah, two games on back-to-back. Did the Bordeaux-Leicester game first up and then the Claremont-Ulster game. What a game that was. Oh, both of them, actually. And we'll get into that later. And then Saturday up at the mighty Coventry Building Society Arena that's not so mighty at the minute. And we'll get onto that. But I saw Eddie Jones, Jim. I saw Eddie Jones at the game. Gave him the old fist bump. He's had COVID. I said, not too close, Eddie, please. I don't want to catch it off you, sir. And all he looked at me, gave me the wink. And... I remember you told the story about once when you saw Jason Orange and you just both gave each other a look and it was that nod and he looked at you and you looked at him. He didn't have a fucking clue who you were. But Eddie Jones knew me and he's like, Andy, I love the pod. I'm uh, going to have to come on there one day and put Jim Hamilton right because one week he's saying Marrow's going to be captain, the next week he's saying he's not. I'll make the bloody decision, well, hang mate.
1: Hang on. Well, he's, he's pulled back comments now, hasn't he? He's peeled them back. Now he's sold he sold three books.
0: Yeah, he sold three books and he's listened to the podcast. So um, he just said Jim's the influencer. So I know he listens to us, so hello Eddie, good to see you at the Coventry Building hey side Arena. And uh, yeah, that was my weekend, so not a lot of work, not a lot of family time, which I can't work out who's happiest around that, but um, yeah, all well, good.
1: I actually missed out a big part of my week. It wasn't all drama, it wasn't all problems. Commentating, weren't I? The big one. Leon versus Gloucester, hell of a game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for our listeners now, I can
0: just see Jim's facials, because uh, we're on... Zoom doing this. Um, You're going to tell
1: us it was a hell of a game. It wasn't a hell of a game, was it though, James? I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to talk about that game.
2: Jim, it must have cheered you up to see Finn Russell pulling the strings
1: for russing and their win over Northampton. No, he was on fire. There we go. Bit of energy. Yeah, I didn't see it because I was commentating on Leon Gloucester, but um, I watched the highlights. And (laughs) did he look like he just rolled out of bed or not?
0: Hey, this is the thing with Finn Russell, right? And I know he did the interview the other week where he said he, you know, he has a five guys before the game. And I found out five guys got an absolute hammering in Northampton pre-match. And you set the scene, Finn Russell in five guys pre-match, and then he plays like that. You can have as many five guys as you want. When you say, does he look like he's just rolled out of bed? The break that he made and then the offload, then he bounced off a tackle. I'm thinking, how's he doing that? Because he ain't the best physically, is he, in terms of how he looks. It was uh, you know, And this is me talking, right? But he's so explosive. I'm like, ow. Oh. You know, you can see a proper athlete that's an absolute magician as well. You look at some of the Fijian boys or whatever. Finn Russell's doing the same sort of thing in a body that shouldn't look like he could do that.
1: Yeah, so I was messaging Finn Russell last week. He, he signed a lion shirt for the Matt Hampson Foundation. He got big Clive, big shout out Clive, to head down to his hotel. I was like, Finn, it all right? He said, yeah. And I just said, all oh, how's things? Looking forward to the game? yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not been great this season so far. Obviously lost a couple of games against Bordeaux and Castro in the top 14. And for him just to turn up like that, you mentioned five guys. I don't even think there's a five guys in Northampton. I think it's an all-you-can-eat Chinese. That's the only restaurant.
0: Mate, there is. There's a five guys, and it's about... Oh, it's gone up. It's gone up. It's about 500 metres from the Cinch Stadium, the old Franklin's Gardens.
1: So it ain't far. I reckon he was in and out there all weekend. Unbelievable. I mean, I don't want to be horrible to Northampton. It's just one of them games where everything the opposition touches... Turns to gold. Finn Russell, I mean, everyone's talking about it. It's all on social media. It was the Finn Russell show.
0: He was ridiculous. Wenceslas Larré. What a name for Christmas, eh? Wenceslas Lorry. Um The good king, Wenceslas. Uh, he got Attrick. Um, their back row dominated. And, yeah, Finn was... I don't want to say he had an armchair ride because he created a lot of stuff out of nothing himself. And he was ridiculous, but... Yeah, he will not go back. I, no, he will not going backwards. And Saints, their tackling was just... Like, just simple, it looks like simple one-on-one missed tackles. I don't know, it was just abject, wasn't it, from them? But, let's park the negatives of Saints, and they couldn't tackle. Racine were ridiculous.
2: And How impressed were you guys with Ulster away to Clermont?
0: My God, well I did the game for D- BT Sport, and actually, I don't know, I just, you get influenced by people, don't you? So I'm sat next to Rory Best in studio, and Rory was thinking, he was sort of saying off air, we've never won in Claremont, you know, it's going to be difficult. We obviously had the great win the other week against Leinster at the RDS and then we'd gone to Osprey's the week after and not really turned up. And I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm looking at James Hume in the warm-up and there's a massive man crush now on James Hume. We spoke about him a, a couple of weeks show. ago. Yeah, spoke about him a couple of weeks ago on here with his performance against Leinster. Nick Timoney was phenomenal. Mike! Lowry at fullback I I, I was trying not to say that Lowry (laughs) I was trying not to say that on BT Sport from Baboos I was
1: actually laughing because of your games because you had Louis Pickapoo as well who else did you have uh, some of the players that you were talking about Francois Trampoop oh Francois (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. we had Francois Trampoop as well that you uh, oh gosh I was like Goody you can't stay professional like I was Leon versus Gloucester the night before they were ridiculous
0: McCloskey in the centres and then the John Cooney show Cooney you know he just loves european rugby champions cup rugby from a performance it wasn't just like a a smash and grab it was absolute domination the attacking rugby they played at times the footwork on james hume and i was chatting to rory best i'm like how's he not got 25 caps for ireland already like he is world class and he's like well i'll tell you why because obviously bundy aki robbie henshaw gary ringrose you know just to name a few he said from leinster don't yeah. say it. Oh, <laughs> well, he said it. They're all well. They're all quality operators, aren't they? So it's you know, The centre position for Ireland is probably the most uh, competitive area of their squad. And there's James Hume playing like an absolute hero, and hopefully starts to you know, have more involvements in in the squad. But yeah, they were phenomenal. John Cooney kicked goals for fun. Timoney was ridiculous.
1: I um, said, didn't I? Know, I've I've yeah. told you before. I don't know whether on the podcast we've spoken about him, but. I know everyone was talking about Dwayne Vermeulen's uh, debut. But yeah, Nick Timoney, Timoney, Tim, Tim, do. I don't know why. I shouldn't be mocking people's names. He's, I mean, he would absolutely kill me. But yeah, he's a proper, proper player. You talk about the strength and depth in that Irish back row. Well, there you go. I've just given you another one.
0: Yeah, so it was a great performance by Ulster. They were, it's the first ever win in Claremont. Um, and they were. I know there was a bit of hurt from last year. They were ahead at Leicester, weren't they? In the quarterfinals of the Challenge Cup. Uh, and I, I know they used a lot of that motivation to pull through. And it was a, yeah, what a victory for them Phenomenal.
2: One of the biggest games of the weekend was probably the top 14 leaders, Bordeaux, taking on Premiership leaders, Leicester. Well, should Bordeaux have maybe taken the points at the end? Or how impressed were you with Leicester
1: hanging on in defence? Was it arrogant from Bordeaux not to take the points? Was a draw good enough at home? Well, in hindsight, yeah. And hindsight's a great thing, as we know. Leicester. It's all about them. Goody, you were obviously covering the game, so you were closer to the action and had the replays and probably a little bit more detail around what Bordeaux should have done. But it's, a, again, a snapshot, one game away in France that shows where this Leicester team are. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. And it feels like we're being a bit repetitive about Leicester. George Ford. Can't believe he's leaving Leicester. <laughs> phenomenal. So they're big game players and now stepping up under the culture and the framework that's put in place. I thought Leicester were quite safe in the way that they played. Not the same as Racing. They've obviously gone to Northampton and just UA'd it because that's their DNA. Leicester, it was a team, ultimate team performance. And we were chatting last week about who we thought would win the Heineken Cup. Didn't mention Leicester. Why would we? Well, they've just gone to Bordeaux and beaten the top 14 leaders as it stands. So, I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away because it's easy to get carried away, isn't it? And with the emotion that me, me and Goody have got around this Leicester team, but that is a huge statement. And it's the way they want because it was so close, it went down to the wire. But that win for Leicester away, huge statement of intent without stating the obvious.
0: It is. And looking at the game, they went there, as you said, with a basic game plan. They kicked the leather off the ball. You know, the fundamentals of their game defensively, their kick chase, their work rate um, was just ridiculous. And that's you know epitomised. You look at the change they made. Tommy Raphael at seven was unbelievable. George Martin, cap last season, can't get in the starting team at the minute. And he was the star, star player at times last year, wasn't he, for Leicester? Um, yeah, he comes in, has a massive performance. I know Jasper Visa played in the back row as well. Um, yeah, made a couple of changes in the second row. It was a, a very Leicester performance where hard-nosed, you know, you're not... It's not a flash performance where you're chucking the ball around. It was strategic rugby played at the right times, in the right areas. Uh, the Fundamentals of the game were good. You know, that they, they made some changes. But, the you know, they're all chomping at the bit to play. And when you're in that winning environment and you've got the coaching that they've got, a lot of it actually, for me, the other thing, I you know, I've mentioned it on here before, but a lot of those players have been through two years of tough times, haven't they? So they've learned a hell of a lot getting their pants pulled down at times, understanding what level you need to be at to compete at the top. So... You know, Jordan Murphy, mate of mine, and I'm yes, I am biased, but I'm happy to say it on here, he's put they've signed a lot of these players and has brought a lot of the youngsters through that are doing what well. the likes of Rafael, the likes of George Martin, you know, who have done exceptionally well for the for the club, you know, signed Max Scott, you know, another one that's that's playing well, signed Harry Potter, signed Porter, all these guys that are now flourishing in this Leicester environment with a different coaching outfit. Um, so it just goes to show you go through a couple of years of pain to find out where you need to get to. And now they're at that level. And listen, the wheels, they're not going to come off at some point, but at some point they're going to lose a game without a shadow of a doubt. You can't, I don't think there's probably any team in the world who's gone through a 50-game season or whatever it is unbeaten. Um, You know, for obviously across the Premiership, across the, the, the Premiership Cup and the Heineken Champions Cup. So at some point they're going to lose a game. It's how they react to that. But my God, they don't know how to lose at the minute. And the fight that they showed at the end, the celebrations and what it means to every single one of them. They look like a real tight team. And when Genji's a captain, and he's the bull that's leading the charge with his horns just going through people, um, you know, you're know you going to follow him and follow him and follow the coaching team with, with Kev Sinfield to the death. Fucking great segue, Andrew. You've evolved. You're welcome. Well, we
1: can have a chat now with Kevin Sinfield, who joins us. How are you, mate? I'm
4: very well, thank you.
1: Kev, it's class to have you on, uh, especially with everything that's been going on. But firstly... Rugby union, easy, is it not? Easy this lot, coaching.
4: Yeah, something like that. uh. Do you know what? It's it's been brilliant. I've loved every minute of it. It was a huge risk for myself to step over and and I reckon a huge risk for for Leicester as well, for the Tigers, um, for Steve to come and appoint a a novice um, in many ways was a risk. Um, Hopefully it was calculated by both sides. But it's been brilliant. It's been a massive learning experience. I couldn't have asked to join a better club. They've been wonderful from start to finish. The players have been amazing, just like sponges, and so committed to each other. And then the staff, and I've really enjoyed working with Steve, but the coaching team have have helped me along the way. I've been really supportive, and I was probably a concern of mine coming across, would I get the support I needed? And, and, um, you know, I've had that and more. Mate, it's interesting though, isn't it? I'm quite intrigued to know how it all came about because
0: obviously, you know, we we look at you as this absolute legend in league, obviously making your way there, coaching as well and, you know, Leeds, Leeds, Leeds is your, the history and your team and all this stuff. How did it come about then? Because like you said, it is a calculated risk from both sides. Was it one day you thought, I want to have a crack at Union or did Leicester get in touch and go, hey, you know, we know that you can have a massive impact here from you know, your background. And they've obviously done their research on you as a person and as a coach. Really intrigued to know how it all came about.
4: Yeah, thanks, Andy. Really kind of need to say that. But it's probably not easy to describe it, but but I'll try. Um, my role at Leeds was director rugby So I, I had no hands-on coaching. And, and that was the path I decided to go down. I'd done a master's in sport business and and wanted to be in, in, in sporting administration. Um, that quickly um, changed through... Just general bureaucracy, I suppose. And COVID hit, massive budget cuts. And I weren't enjoying it. And um, I love playing, as I'm sure you guys did. I got so much satisfaction out of playing. And suddenly when you finish playing and you're looking for something to fill that void and and you're not getting it from your job, uh, the only thing that kept me sane was the running. And then Rob. And then Rob Burrow. What happened with Rob Burrow? And I suppose spending time with him, understanding the journey and challenges he's facing now, I thought, I, I, I can't sit here and be unhappy. I need to do something about it. And I quickly made a decision around last Christmas time that um, it would be my last season at Leeds. Nobody knew. It was a, you know, it was something I'd, I'd spoken to my wife about then. And then it was just a, a phone call completely out of the blue off Richard Wilkes, who was doing sort of some sporting director stuff at, at Leicester at the time. He's just gone back into that role, actually. But Richard called me and said, do you fancy having a chat? And I thought, well, I forgot to lose. Met up with Steve, had a very brief chat, had a couple of phone calls and it just seemed to work. It just seemed to fit. And there was an opportunity there to go and work with a great club, with a wonderful coach and a, a great coaching setup. And um, I could see sort of the journey they'd been on the last couple of years. It reminded me a lot of the Rhinos when I first went back. Of, so sort of, we just avoided, I say we, you know, the club had just avoided relegation and um, trying to turn that around. So, And then the opportunity to get on the grass. Um, I've been stuck behind a desk for the last three years and learnt so much being there, but actually um, missed being out on the field and, and working with players. And I'd had enough of dealing with a lot of the rubbish, so um, it was time to, to take the plunge, I suppose. So, if you can see, it was sort of a mixture and, uh, of different things, but it the timing... You know, if I hadn't have had that phone call, um, who knows where I would be now? But Steve was a big player in a lot of this. I could sense straight away how driven he was and what a winner he is. So he attracted me straight away. He's got so much experience coaching now, although not as a head coach. um, I could see what he was trying to do and, you know, fully bought into the vision.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you can see just how well you guys have gone this season. Uh, Kev, they say when you look at rugby union, a measure of a team and the man and the player is seen in and around the physicality and defence. Some say it's maybe the easier part of the game to coach because it's about tackling, it's about having a defensive line, there's obviously more to it than that. But how impressed have you been with the application of the Leicester players in terms of motivating them as well. It's easy to say, oh, Kevin Sinfield's coming. Everything that you're doing away from the pitch, which we'll get onto, motivates us. But there is more to it than that, isn't there? And I think the DNA of Leicester is something that me and Goody have been really impressed with that has just come about under Steve Borthwick and yourself being there.
4: Yeah, I think Steve needs to take a lot of credit. He won't because he's that type of bloke, but he's been outstanding in his leadership of the club. Andrea Pinchin, CEO, and Peter Thomas, chairman as well, the three of them have, you know, have have hit this head on, on the back of COVID and what's happened the last couple of years to the club in particular. So, But I have to say, I can't take any credit for our defence. I just think it's been a massive team effort. It's been, you know, it's my area, of course it is, but I think our coaching team has been really fluid and everyone's prepared to help each other in their own little way. I've had to, have so many things translated across so many things that had worked in league that I felt had worked in league, um even as a player, stuff that I'd used that had worked um, but still, how it fits and how it translates across has been really important, so it's just been a big team effort, and then the players they've been incredible you know when when we've asked them to be physical, you know it actually really surprised me, and you know when I look at the game on on Saturday over in France. I'm a little bit in awe of the replication, the willingness to keep turning up for each other, and that ain't something I, that I've implemented. That's that's something they've got. Yeah, getting onto the game on Saturday, I was uh, working
0: with BT Sport on it, and, and we were talking about the selection before the game. And um, you know, I know you're, you guys are now twelve from twelve. You know, you, you changed the team up for the Premiership Cup and won both of those games. You've won every game in the Premiership. But some people were kind of looking at the selection a little bit and saying, yeah, you know, you, you've perhaps rested a few of the big stars, Freddie Stewart being one, Dan Cole at, at tight had been another. But the guys that came in are A, unbelievably good players in their own right, but also there wasn't a drop-off at all. The, the intensity was phenomenal and it was a bit of backs-against-the-wall stuff in that second half and you could see the energy and the spirit coming out of it. Mainly probably because Harry Potter nearly killed himself as he's, as he's jumped off the pitch at that one point. But, uh, you know, it, it's a phenomenal victory and just keeps growing and growing. The boys have have, have forgotten how to lose, haven't they?
4: Well, I'm not sure about that, but I do echo you know what you're saying about how committed and spirited they are. Like I said, they've been outstanding. You mentioned then the changes. You we know, with a really young side out, and I think our starting front row was an average age of 22. Um, our average age throughout the side was 25, and that's with with Wiggy, and who's, who's older than me. So um, <laughs> it's about 50 like, now, it, isn't it, Wiggy? Yeah, I know, I know. So <laughs> it, it, it's it's um, it's incredible to see what they're prepared to do for each other. And, and like I said, that, that isn't anything I've done. It's, that was there. It just needed an opening up. And they've been outstanding. I, you know, I love working with them. And they're doing a really good job at the minute. And, and part of coaching, I suppose, now the challenge for us is, is to try and keep it going and keep trying to do our best, keep trying to improve each day and, and um, see where it takes us.
1: And what about, Kev, some of the characters in the squad? Uh, me and Goody are both huge fans of northern people, salt of the earth. <laughs> Hard. That's what we always say. You know, at Leicester, having looking at the profile of the team, a lot of youngsters, but also the influence as well, and the career that you had, and the experiences that you had, what the young lads are having to deal with now—the social media, the profile that comes with it, the money. Like, how do you find watching some of these guys, like Freddie Stewart and you know Freddie Burns and stuff like that, and Ellis Genge being captain? Does that interest you watching them interact and grow?
4: Yeah, very much so. Now, I was interesting to see. You know, I played I at that little short stint at Yorkshire Carnegie some years yeah. ago now, where I went across and did six months. And what I found then was that union boys are exactly the same as league boys. Uh, they probably just earn a little bit more money. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, so when I come across, you know, I, I had no real expectations or what I would fi- what I would find. Although I did think we're a little a bit more south. I wonder if. We we're going to get the similar feel. And as you, as you rightly point out, um, I think there's something to be said about the Northerners. But actually, the guys have been wonderful. So many mixtures of uh, backgrounds, experiences, cultures. Because we've got such a young side as well, they're so impressionable. And you can see how much they enjoy training. You can see how much they enjoy being together. Um, there's a few of them in boarding houses together. So, yeah, they've been great. And, and Ellis's captain... You know, It's probably a masterstroke by Steve. Um, he's been wonderful for us and he has the ability to be able to chat and relate and converse with anybody of any age from any background and I think it's a really special skill and because he does what he does every week with his body he, he leads from the front and you had in there Fordy who's been awesome. You know, you, you, Your key players, your big internationals who, who are knew of and were well aware of have, have really stood up and you throw in then that brilliant blend of young players, and it's a decent squad that that Steve has put together.
0: Let's talk about the challenge then, mate, because it was a phenomenal thing. Obviously, going from Leicester up to Leeds, 101 mile challenge in 24 hours. All I need to know is how fucked we feet at the end of it. I mean, imagine the blisters. That's what I'm thinking.
4: <laughs> well, you'd probably be amazed, and you know, I didn't have one. Did have one blister? Didn't have one. Really? Blister. Honestly, yeah. So I've been pretty lucky. You're superhuman. No, not at all, not at all. But you I had new I trainers on.
1: It's wearing Adidas brand new white trainers on.
4: Yeah, I changed them halfway through. As soon as it starts to get dark, I put the fluorescent yellow ones on. I don't even notice, but... Um, no, I didn't, I didn't have any blisters. It was probably a bit naive going in, but I sort of squared that off in my own mind at the fact that, you know, people when they're diagnosed... I know you're close to it, Jim, as well, with Doddy, but people who are, who are diagnosed don't get time. They, you know, 50% die within the first two years, so when I read and I first started to have the idea that I needed six to nine months of training to get ready from being marathon fit to 100 miles. I thought, well, I ain't got time for that. And the new job just takes so many hours and I'm traveling and family time and bits and pieces. I thought, right, well, you know, I'm going to have to wing it a bit, but you have to rely on, you know, some, grit and determination and um, rely on some emotion and, and try and get me through. So it was actually, it, it was really tough, more tough than I thought it'd be. Because we were running them in hour blocks, we got to, there was about six and a half to go, which is, a, there was about 45, 46k to go, it was over a marathon. And I can remember thinking to myself, like, I couldn't pick my legs up, couldn't pick me, like, my quads and my hip flexors had stopped working. And I think, I'm going to run a marathon here when I can't pick my legs up. And I'd said all along, I'll crawl if I have to, and I'm willing to do that. But thankfully, through having a great team, you guys will know when you've been in a brilliant team um, and they understand you and they know what buttons to press and you have that camaraderie, yeah, we got it done.
1: Kev, looking at the documentary, a big shout out to Ram Video, I thought it was brilliant how how it was put together on YouTube for the listeners who haven't watched it. It seemed to be when you got to Rotherham and it was dark and that's where I found it really emotional watching you and watching everyone's interactions together, is that where you were with your ex-teammates? Well, I know people came along the journey, but that seemed to be a big turning point, both from a, both from a difficult standpoint, because it was you'd done so much, but also it felt like a lot of your mates had turned up at that point, your good mates, yours and Rob's.
4: Yeah, yeah, you're right. Do you know what, at the start, like we were just knocking the hours off. And, and because the support was incredible, the sun was shining we couldn't have picked a better day it's like five or six degrees the sun's out it's blue sky like the streets are lined with leicester shirts and and Leeds shirts then you know, all the coaching staff from the tigers had joined us um who actually you ask yourself how can you get so many good friends in such a short space of time um when you join the rugby club well that has happened and i think that was shown by the support that i got from those guys they were brilliant until it got dark we, it was like you were on a bit of a fun run. I don't know that sounds daft because but there were that many people out and there was that sort of feel to it. As soon as it went dark, everyone disappeared. I remember the first real stretch um when it was dark, and I think we run into not Rotherham actually. But the first real stretch and we'd gone from having six or seven runners and four or five on a bike, to just three runners and two bikes. And I remember thinking, right, we're on our own here. And and then it wasn't until some former teammates turned up and my brother turned up. My wife turned up at two stops, um, which were, by chance, the two stops where we'd had the longest segments. So each one was supposed to be 7K, but some of them, because of the locations, ended up being a little bit longer. So we had two two uh, sections on the bounce that were just over 8.5K. So our rest time was jammed short, and that's the two that my wife came to. She was like, pretty much. Kissing a cuddle and bump we were off again. But yeah, as soon as we got to those last six or seven hours, it's pitch black, it's cold, you end up condensing your thoughts. A bit like if you remember being in a really tough conditioning session when you were playing, like sometimes you're hanging on and sometimes you switch everything down. You're almost an autopilot and you just think, I'm just got to get through, i just got to get through. The problem we had was we still had six and a half hours to go and it were a long time to hold on. But having said that, the team we had were incredible all the way through. And then those that joined us to run with us were brilliant. You know, I said to one or two of them when they came, "I'm not going to speak very much because I can't. I'm trying to preserve my energy." And they just talked and told stories and sang and um, got us through. And, and then you know the support—the support has been just been incredible. It like balls you over because you know people were out at two, three, four in the morning, and you thinking to yourself, "What are you doing? Get go and get to bed. I don't, I don't need you here." I Just, but it, it's. We're so appreciative of it and we're getting constant updates of what the site was doing in terms of the fundraising and it was a brilliant thing to do. Yeah, I I was really determined to get it done, but without the three things I mentioned there, the support on the streets, the teammates who were with us and our team, that started it and finished it together. I, I wouldn't have done it.
0: Yeah, I thought when you said you were there were some dark moments, and you mentioned Rotherham. I thought it was because of Rotherham because I played there, and it's um, <laughs> it was a tough place to get through. Uh, and those people were probably thinking the same to you, going, "Kev, what are you doing? It's two, three o'clock in the morning. And you're doing this unbelievable run." But let's just talk about the emotion at the end then, because you know, it was on BBC when you saw you know you eventually get to to Leeds and Rob's there. Um, you know the, the finish, the emotion was was phenomenal, wasn't it? And for you to complete that, Jim and I can only dream of, of doing 10 miles, let alone 101. Just describe how it was at the end there, because it was it was emotional to
4: watch it, and you know, just from the outsider point of view, it's a phenomenal achievement. The last couple of hours, you found yourself, I found myself being quite emotional like throughout it, and you wouldn't see that, the documentary didn't show that, but there were just moments where um, I could feel myself welling up, and I had some experience of this last year when we did the 7-in-7, seven Sort of like those first couple of days when we are running marathon after marathon, we had a camera following us, but there's moments in that where I was sort of crying, but nobody'd see that I was crying.
3: Mm-hmm. And it was
4: just the emotion of, of being really, really tired, knowing you're not far away from finishing, knowing how grateful you are for the support and that people are, are there with you sharing it. And then why are you doing it? The way he's fought and been so courageous, while he's willing to do that, well, I'm willing to keep doing well, what I have to do and, and same with, with the likes of Doddy and Stephen Darby. they've almost come a band of brothers, those three. But for the rest of us, we just got to keep fighting. And, and throughout sort of the, the 24 hours, we um before we started each each leg, we had somebody from the MND community ring the bell. Uh, and that got us ready. Two minutes started before we set off. And within those, we always heard the story in the background, and there were some incredible stories that sit with me now that I can remember vividly at sort of four in the morning, people telling us, you know, they lost such and such a body or, or such and such a body's got MND and they're ringing the bell and um, they're a bit teary at the fact they're there and understand that people are supporting them. I think those bits have, have been incredible. So the emotion at the end to see Lindsay and Macy, to know that my own wife, both my lads, my mum and dad, were going to be at the end as well, was pretty special. But that last sort of mile, um, yeah, you might see me sort of on the BBC keep putting my head down and wiping my nose (laughs) and wiping my eyes. Um, That was just trying to hold back the tears because I thought, I'm not going to cry on TV again. It would be great to see see Rob at the end and, and give him a big cuddle.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Kev. It was phenomenal. You don't need us to keep telling you it was phenomenal. You know, a load of people along the way and you've probably had a load of messages as well and it simply was amazing. What's the... The plan. What's the future in terms of how the money is going to be used? I know that there's potential to set up a foundation or a centre similar to what Matt Hampson's done at Leicester. We now know the government have put in 50 million as well, which is fantastic. A lot of that is around the profile that's been raised by yourself and Doddy and other people and the BBC as well. Big shout out to them. What's the plan? Kev, going forward, there's a load of challenges. Goody said he'll join in next time.
4: I'm a bike; I can't run. (laughs) Uh, Welcome, welcome. welcome. (laughs) Um, Well, I I think the difference with with this one to last year was the full amount of that was raised last year, or almost the full amount, went to the M and A Association, and myself, Rob, Lindsay's wife, Phil Daly, who ran all the media and who's been brilliant behind both challenges um, in terms of generating support and getting the BBC on board. Um, and I have to say, they've been brilliant. Selling and Dan Walker, have been awesome. So their support's been incredible. But, you know, we got a say in how that money was spent and we tried to split it 50-50 between research and trying to find a cure and drugs that'll give people a better, longer life, but also support families and provide that care that they need instead of being diagnosed in a room with no windows. And then your follow-up appointments... Are all over wherever it is, you know, you're in this room for that, and you've got to drive 10 miles to go and get this done, and drive five miles to get this done, and they're all on different days. Um, we tried to provide half of the funds to go towards that setup and providing that care. So, what the government have pledged to do this year has probably changed some of it because 50 million goes direct to trying to find a cure and trying to find drugs that prolong and make it better for people. But the bit that's missing still is that care and that support and that's where um, some of the money will go from this one so it's split fifty fifty this year fifty percent goes to the m d association for that care side that we're talking about the other fifty percent will go to build an NHS building in Leeds which will be the rubbo m d center and and that is trying to make it a a center where people can go and it's a one-stop shop. So you go on, if you need a speech therapist, if you need your wheelchair, if you need to have your bloodstone, if you need to see your surgeon, it's all in that building instead of being sent all over different parts of Yorkshire. I've got to ask two things. Who's coming up with all these
0: amazingly crazy ideas? Uh, And secondly, um, is there a third?
4: (laughs) Um, There will be a third. There will be a third. Um, It was me who came up with the first two. Um, I have to say, um, the second one was, um, we were basing it on a race in America, but it was a 24 hour race. We are going to go every hour. And it was 100 miles from my wife who said, why don't you go Leicester to Leeds? And it all fitted and worked. What comes next? I'm, I'm not sure. I've got, I've got two ideas, but I'm still sort of mulling over and I probably need to work out the distance of them and sort of time scales and how long we've got, um, but there'll certainly be something else. I'd I'd love for us to be able to set up sort of a mass participation event somewhere as well, whatever it may be, but for everybody who's supported and played a part or wants to get involved.
2: And where at the moment can people go to donate or help with MND if they wanted to jump online or get on the phone now?
4: Yeah, so you can go direct to the MND Association um, and they've got, all different ways of of getting in touch, but they've got a helpline or they've got um, an email address. They'll be brilliant. They've been fantastic helping and supporting the work that we've done and the work they do with families has been brilliant. If you'd like to donate, um, if you type my name, And 101 into Google, you will get um, a site where you can donate, which would be much appreciated. And I can't thank people enough who have donated so far.
1: Kev, just before you go, you mentioned Watch This Space, and I've seen a slight void in your life looking from afar. Mate, you're not on Instagram. Why not?
4: (laughs) Yeah, I I don't do any social media. I never have. Never felt the need. I, I love the fact that through social media you can interact with supporters and fans. But I thought by opening the door, I've got to be prepared for the bad and I I can be harsh enough on myself without anybody telling me what they're thinking of me. I'm coming off as well. I'm
0: off. Like you are, mate.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm sure if you uh, jumped on social media now, Kevin, you'd only see positive stuff on the work that you've been doing with MND and also the way the Leicester Tigers have been going this season. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. And best of luck with what's coming up next with both those uh, endeavours you've got going.
4: Thanks, guys. Great to be on. Cheers, Kev,
0: mate. Absolute legend. Thanks, pal. Wow. Legend. Top bloke. Yeah. (laughs) Not even top bloke, mate. Absolute legend. I mean, I'm listening to Sir Kevin Sinfield speak, then I'm going to call him Sir Kevin because he should be after everything he's done. Tell the goosebumps that when you're just talking to him. You're hearing about everything, and and it's like when we spoke to Namani Nandolo the other week, and he said if Kev Sinfield can do 101 miles, there's no excuses for anyone at Leicester to not put the effort in at training. But honestly... I've got goosebumps, the hairs on the back of my neck are standing up.
1: You know, it's it's just spine tingling, talking to him, isn't it? You can, I can't contextualise what it feels like to have someone like him on, and that isn't me fanboying or us fanboying. You know, I watched the I'm documentary fanboying. back again. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. But it's easy when people come on to say, top lad, you know, look at this, inspiring. I don't think he quite realises how special he is. Mm. Mm. And he's an order isn't he he's hard, he's salt of the earth genuinely if you haven't seen the documentary The Extra Mile type it in on YouTube right and it's 39 minutes, 40 minutes and it's not just a snapshot of what Kevin Sinfield and a lot of other people are doing to raise money for MND and the awareness it's his ability to bring people together And that's something that we've said around Hambo, we've said around the Doddy Aid, the Doddy Foundation, My Name's Doddy Foundation, is it's not just the money that's being raised, which obviously is a huge part of it. And that is the reason why to find funds, to raise awareness, but it's his ability and watching that documentary to bring people together, make us feel like we want to donate, but also make us check ourselves, you know, about what we're doing in life. Like, are we living properly I know we're going deep here this is, just my, this is just me when I watch it but the guy's an absolute legend there's nothing more you can say and for me there's no surprise he didn't take any plaudits for it that the team that he is coaching defensively are will look at the play at the end look, yeah. at the, look at the defensive set from Leicester at the end of that game against Bordeaux now yeah, there's no technique in that everyone can tackle everyone who plays European rugby can tackle but how much are they willing to go how far are they willing to go? Well, when you've got a coach like Kevin Sinfield, I'll tell you how far, to the fucking end of the earth, that's where they'll go. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, just an absolute pleasure to have him on.
0: Yeah, I am fanboying because it's, it's kind of weird. We speak to a lot of people on the podcast and, you know, players that have achieved a hell of a lot in the game. I used to watch him every Friday night before playing for Leicester on a Saturday, watching him and Rob Burrow play for Le- I used to love league on a Friday night. When there was no rugby union on the TV on a Friday night, I'd always watch the Super League. And Boots he and was all. a phenomenal... boots and all and all yeah he was a phenomenal player and then I was a little bit apprehensive talking to him then because it was like you're talking to some absolute legend not only because of what he's doing now with M&D but his history of how he's conducted himself and played and what he's won in the game and now everything he touches because of that attitude he's got and um, you know his application of everything Leicester are flying because of him and you just said it as well Jim it's not just because of him and he doesn't want to take the accolades but when you've got someone as big as Nemanja Nondolo saying, how can you not rock up for training every day? Like, we used to have a moan at training. I reckon there's not many moaners at Leicester. Do you know what I mean? You get to those times when you're like, it, your back's hurting, knees bad, whatever. And you, and you can find a reason, can't you? You ain't finding any reason if you're being coached by Kevin Sinfield. And what a privilege it must be for those players to be coached by him.
1: There ain't many of them people around. There ain't many like him on this planet. There ain't. No. So, I mean... Again, I'll just finish on this. He spoke about how he was really surprised, maybe, to see so many people from Leicester on his journey straight away. But I'll tell you now, they're there with him for life now, off the back of that. This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
4: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba At participating McDonald's.
1: Going for your first ever run around the park. Literally running errands all over town. Running for the finish line and your personal best. If you run, you're a runner.
0: Find the shoes and clothes to run your way at newbalance.com slash running. New Balance. Run your way.
2: Let's round up the rest of the Champions Cup now. Did Exeter look like title contenders against Montpellier? Not yet.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you off, said it because I, I was going to say it and I was second guessing myself. I was like, do I say it or not? Because I sound a bit short, but you've said it. Andrew, off you go.
0: Well, this is the thing. When you, when you see the Montpellier team, who are going well in the top 14, and this is one of my gripes, and I'm going to come on to it later, Montpellier sent the Shags, didn't they? I know you're playing extra away, but it's the first game of the Champions Cup. At least bar up in the first game and send your big boys. Um, they sent the Shags. And so you're looking at the two teams and you're thinking, well, this should be pretty tasty for, for Exeter, should be pretty comfortable. And in the end, you look at the scoreline, it was. But that first half, um, you know, they had to graft and and... Yeah, I know Stuart Hogg scores a try, cutting in off the wing and all this stuff. Um, And it ends up with a Scottish second row, James, being the first second row to ever score a hat-trick in the Champions Cup. I I thought you did as well. I know that was against India, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was, but I set up a couple. But it's not about me. I'm long gone now. (laughs) Uh, Happy for Johnny Um, Gray, actually. Happy for him. Yeah,
0: but, you know, Exeter, they went back to type, didn't they? Their pick-and-go game. Montpellier fronted up physically at times, even though it was the Shags. Um, but is it a champion performance? Not yet. A champion performance, when you're looking at it over the weekend, was Racing, how they played. And and a bit of Leinster. I know that Leinster dropped off in the last sort of ten or fifteen minutes, but um, yeah, they'll be happy, but a lot to work on. You know, they're still in this they got over the Saracens win last week. They haven't been playing well in the premiership, but they're starting to tick again now, and I'm sure their performances will start going through the roof as the season gets longer, uh, and they get deeper into the competition for Exeter.
2: Anton DuPont was named World Player of the Year on Friday. How good was he in Toulouse's win? No, he's alright,
0: is he? For a little fella, and when I say little fella, I mean a guy that's a little bit vertically challenged, the opposite of you, Jim. What about his handoff? What about his shotgun handoff just gets rid of people for fun? His explosivity around breaking at scrum time, or you know, when he's sniping around the breakdown, but then that shotgun fend off both hands is just ridiculous, isn't it?
1: I love how you're asking me. Well, actually, you talk about that. There's no better man to talk about explosion <laughs> and power <laughs> in traffic. Mental. Mental. Um, scrum off. Pass. Inside trail lines. Box kicks. Get that right. You're going to make an unbelievable career out of yourself. Do the odd snipe. You might get through if the defence switch off. As about being the main ball carrier? I'll tell you what. <laughs> give me the ball. I'll bump you. I'll run round you. I'll chip over you. I'll put a, a handoff where you're sitting on your ass. World Player of the Year, undeniable, undeniable. Yeah. He could win the Heineken Cup for Toulouse single-handedly. See what I've done there? Because the handoff, I've just used that analogy just to kind of yes, open up James. the talk. And I picked Toulouse as Heineken champions. I think. Well, if not, I am now off the back of his performance. But everyone's talking about him on social media. You can give a superficial comment around him you can watch him and say yeah he looks good it's not just the standout stuff that he does look at his speed of pass look at his kicking game he's phenomenal how much how much is he worth a mil one two mate well this is the thing if
0: if the top player in the world is probably on a million quid he should be the top player in the world now he is the top player in the world so yeah 1.2 it's France anyway isn't it so just call it 1.5 yeah, round it up to two. But we've got to mention Cardiff. Um, you know, mm. in, adversity, in adversity, you know, with everything that's gone on around COVID, I know. Listen, Scarlets uh, couldn't put a team together. Cardiff went to the bin men. They went down the markets and got some some boys off from stacking shelves. What an effort by Di Young. And I'm a bit biased because I've, I've I've got a a lot of time and respect for Dai Young um, and how he was with me. But semi pro players. One boy coming out of retirement. I, I think Dai even thought about giving me a ring. But then I realised, you know, he, I wasn't fully Welsh, so he couldn't. What an effort from Cardiff Rugby. Because you're thinking, you're playing the champs. And the champs in Toulouse rocked up with full noise, didn't they? Everyone was playing. And they took it to them, didn't they?
1: They did. Ellis Jenkins' interview after the game kind of summed it up. It was like, lads didn't know the moves at the beginning of the week. He said some of them are teachers. They're going back to school. Some of them are going to school <laughs> as well. It, it, was, it was crazy. And you know what? Welsh yeah. rugby sometimes, especially on air, it takes a hammering. And you look at the desire in which that team showed and the way they started that game against Toulouse and the physicality. You know what? If they can bring some of these players here, I know there was a red card at the end, uh, which was unfortunate, but you saw even though Toulouse won that game, and they were always going to win that game, all right. regardless of what team Cardiff put out, arguably. But the applause that that Cardiff team got, you, we can only sit here and applaud now. So big shout-out to Cardiff, big shout-out to Alice Jenkins, the captain, and some of them young lads, school lads, teachers that fronted up because it was class. Goody, were you
2: applauding Wasp's effort against a seriously depleted Munster side over the weekend? Or?
0: Well, I mean, the first thing to say is, and no one really knew about it, the COVID situation that ravaged through the Wasquad and obviously the story around Munster when everyone got to the Coventry Building Society Arena how good does that sound Coventry Building Society
1: Arena? It... Three quid I've got in the account now i check just because you uh, keep you mentioning go. it so if, <laughs> yeah I'm not going to take it out I'm going to leave it in there because interest rates are really high at the minute. Mate I'll get you an investor to, to get that
0: up to about 300 quid by the end of the year but first and foremost, to get the game on with all the disruption and Lee Blackett said in his interview afterwards, it was a hell of an effort and, you know, the day before they're thinking the game isn't going ahead. You know, they've got players, you know, they couldn't do a training run on Friday because of the COVID tests. So, then they're having to make a makeshift team. Brad Shields is, and we'll get onto him in a minute, but Brad Shields is, you know, moving up to the second row, he hasn't ever played in the second row for donkey's years. And he's trying to do line outs in a corridor before the game thinking what's the cause. So it was a hell of an effort by wasps and Munster with all the adversity that they've had. And, you know, it's been well documented. I think there was something like, was it 54 players missing from both teams? Um, you know, Wasps have got, and I've said it on here before 18 injuries, uh, then a load more for COVID and, and, and close contacts of that. So actually to get the game on was, pretty much near enough a miracle. And then you rock up and then you see Roman Poit is refereeing and you think, why? Why can't he have an issue that he can't referee the game and someone else can referee it? Because it was an interesting game. It was was exciting. You know, end-to-end, no one really knew too much about the young kids from Munster. Um, Obviously, they had a ridiculous backline with a load of the experienced boys. Wasps were patched up as well and it was exciting. There were errors, there was end-to-end stuff and then he sends Brad Shields off. Doesn't even make contact with his head. Roman Poit, you absolute yee
1: That red card is that bad that I can't even come on here and joke that Wasps have lost another game and they got beat by Munster, who were depleted. That decision with the red card was that bad that I can't even sit on here and say anything about Wasps because that has, that's wrecked it. That's wrecked the game and it's ruined Wasps chances of even competing in that game. What even is that? Really? I don't, I don't see anywhere where he's made contact with his head.
0: Like he's gone straight it, for
1: it as well. He's gone straight as in like he's sped through the, the framework. The TMO's not even said like in French, are you sure? No mitigation. It's it's one of them that
0: I'm not I'm not taking anything away from Munster. Munster were very good. Um you know some of the young lads that came in were were phenomenal. I mean, Daniel Okeke at number eight was an absolute beast. Um, Patrick Campbell at fullback was class as well. Um, and I, I'm, I think Munster would have probably won the game the way they played. But for Roman Poit to send him off was r- just ridiculous. It wasn't even close to being a red card. But Munster, you know, they've got European pedigree. When you look at the back line, they had obviously Connor Murray, Jerry Carberry, uh, Dialande in the centres with Farrell and... Keith Ells on one wing, Conway on the other wing. It's, it's you know, it's a it's a top international bat line. So I think Munster would have had enough and their fans were great. Fields of, of Athenry was being sung ridiculously loudly. Um, I tried to do a bit of banter up in the, the Andy Goods suite before the game about the red, just being because it's Christmas, but oh no, Munster fans are out in their droves. So yeah, listen, when it rains, it pours at Wasps at the minute. Not only with injuries, and there was a few more injuries after the game as well. And my God, they've got to go to Toulouse away this weekend. <laughs> so that's not going to be uh, you know, the easiest of, of journeys um, but you know what, they fronted up and that's all you can say, you've got boys playing out of position you've got youngsters coming in for um, games You know, at the top tier playing against quality op- opposition and the same for Munster and it made it actually a decent spectacle and a decent story around it apart from the fact that Roman Poit, the absolute cowboy, was referee And there were a few good away wins for sale and Quinns, weren't there? Yeah, they were um, Quinns Yeah, I've read some of the comments from Adam Jones. Adam Jones said they are a bit lucky, but a bit lucky to get the win because of how it ended in the game. But actually, they should have won that fairly comfortably. They had loads of possession and opportunity in that first half. They just weren't clinical, you know. And you look at the pitch over in cast on a Sunday night when Castor got the shags out as well. Um, Heavy pitch, not the way that Quinns like to play. Quinns is kit, what's that about? Um, But just rely on some of the big stars. Marcus Smith missed a couple, but slotted a big one when he needed to. Alex Donbrandt's try was a difference. Um, you know, got them ahead in in the game. It's a game they should have won comfortably. Um uh, and, and they've set themselves this target of of going after Europe. And um, you know, they're delighted to get away with the victory. Could have gone the other way. Sale, um, I think that's a really big win actually. Sale because they've not been great. They've been inconsistent in the Premiership, haven't they? And going to Osprey's, is is it a banana skin? Because there's an expectation, but then the Osprey's obviously had a, a you know a tough uh, week in terms of what happened uh, to If and Phillips with the crash on the motorbike. So obviously their feelings were, were pretty heightened as well. Um, and obviously thoughts with if and Phillips and his family. Um, but yeah, Sale have rocked up there and, you know, have done a job really, haven't they? Alex Anderson said it's because they went to Winter Wonderland and got on the piss a little bit after they lost to Saracens a couple of weeks ago just shows to get on the piss as a team it works doesn't
1: it Jim well they went to the Wolfpack bar as well and trashed it they didn't trash it (laughs) (laughs) they trashed the tab which is great a big result in the challenge cap as well wasn't it Jim oh huge result hashtag always Edinburgh beat Saracens
0: I thought you were talking about Perpignan against the Dragons
1: yeah I didn't see that (laughs) (laughs) fair play to Edinburgh hey told you they were good where are your loyalties
0: where would your loyalties have lied then when you're if you'd have been at the game Edinburgh against Saris you just picked the winning team right because you put this to me last week didn't you around Leicester and Wasps?
1: I would have went I would have loved to have seen Edinburgh be competitive and win and I say that because Saracens are Saracens they're in the Challenge Cup no disrespect to the Challenge Cup they're a, a European heavyweight they're a Heineken Cup team in the making but you say that they got beat by edinburgh what i'm trying to say is no one expected edinburgh to win that i don't think edinburgh would win regardless of what team saracen's put out i thought edinburgh were going to lose against dragons a few weeks ago and they hammered them so it shows the evolution of mentioning you know? on here what the, well i don't know anything i don't know why i'm even paid to be involved in rugby so big shout out to hashtag always edinburgh held out saracen's nearly could have should have would have disallowed try at the end and that's a huge statement of intent for Edinburgh. And the trajectory that they're on, woo is phenomenal. But I also should say a shout-out to Gloucester. They put the kids out in Leon, who were fourth in the top 14. Leon went full noise with what they had. Joshua Tuasova's band and Bastro's injured, double knee injury. Um, but Gloucester rocked up with the kids, the back row between them, 19, 20, 21. So the average age of that is about 13 is what I'm working out. And they could have won that game against Leon. So <coughs> big shout out to them as well in the Challenge Cup. But as we know, I'm all about the hashtag Heineken Cup and winning things. And it wasn't easy for Bath over the
2: weekend. either, oh, was a Goody?
0: Mate, when you go into the Aviva to play Ireland, I mean, Leinster, um, and you haven't won a game all season, it's not the friendliest of places to go. Yeah, I mean, Leinster were quality, undeniable European pedigree. That front row was ridiculous. Yeah, Porter at loosehead prop, who's swapped over from being a tight head. Hard as you like. Quality. Kelleher. Oh, my Kelleher. He is just class. a proper athlete in Absolute playing at class. hooker. Ty Furlong as well was ridiculous. Um Mate, that Leinster the team a proper outfit, aren't they? James Lowe, Jameson Gibson Park played really well. Uh, Paul Bath, they didn't win a game. They weren't, definitely weren't going to go and win over there, so... Um, Yeah, Leinster are a proper team to be reckoned with.
2: Well, should we have a look ahead to round two of the Champions Cup then? Which games are you guys
1: looking forward to the most? On Friday, the big one. Well, Leinster are going to Montpellier. Should be a foregone conclusion. Is our Northampton rock up against Ulster? Having had the pants ball down by Racine, Ulster beating Clermont. Have they thrown the towel in? With what is a congested season already? It's a rhetorical question. I'll answer it. I reckon they have. I reckon they will. (laughs) And they're fucked. <laughs> well, the reason is, is they've had 40-odd. They've had a bonus point victory loss at home. How do they go away on Friday and beat Ulster, who are fully barred? And they know, Jim, they've got to go to Rassen away in January.
0: Bon chance. <laughs> Il y a pas de chance. But it is no chance. Uh, mate, I'm looking forward to seeing Sale against Clermont because Sale, like, the the victory over Ospreys was a little bit under the radar, wasn't it? Because people were talking about some of the other big teams. Um Claremont have got a win to stay in in touch in the competition. But this year, the format is very different, isn't it? So, you know, it's top eight from each pool going to the last 16, where they play each other home and away in the last 16. So you could potentially lose your first two and still make it the way some of the results go. And you've seen some of the French teams, like Montpellier put the shags out. I wonder what team Montpellier are going to power against Leinster this weekend at home. Um, But yeah, Sale against Claremont will be a, a massive encounter for me because... Um, you know obviously Sharks test themselves against the best they're a big powerful team Claremont have got a win um, so that would be an interesting one for me what else Glasgow Exeter James that should be a decent yeah. encounter it always is between those two isn't it there's
1: a bit of yeah, history yeah. between them they've played a bit against each other recently haven't they and with Hoggies association and obviously Johnny Gray's as well at Exeter Glasgow looked good they didn't look far off against La Rochelle on Sunday it's a six day turnaround they're at home Plastic pitch. Glasgow are good. I reckon Glasgow can win this game against Exeter. Genuinely. If you've watched Glasgow this season, they nearly beat Ulster in game one of the URC. At the Kingspan. Uh, Some quality players. Sam Johnson's there. Cole Forbes, really good at fullback. Uh, They've got a guy in the back row called Rory Dodge. Dempsey at number eight as well. Wilson's there. They've got a good team. Good team. Ali yeah. Price, Xander Fagerson, a couple of British and Irish Lions in the mixer as well. Uh, Ross Thompson at 10. Glasgow a proper team. And it's probably the same narrative around Scotland. Are they respected? Or do Exeter think that they can go there and just do a job? My point being, do Exeter front up differently if they're going to Leinster away than if they're going to Glasgow? Because Glasgow, not that they're up there with Leinster, but they ain't far away from being a top, top team now. So... Be interesting. I think Glasgow will win that. You're not asking for a prediction. I'm giving you one. I reckon Glasgow will beat extra on Saturday.
0: There you go. Hoggy going home. Johnny Gray going home. That'd be interesting. Another big one, actually, Sunday. And tip the slipper to Connacht. I know they beat Stad Francais pretty comfortably, and it was Stad Francais' absolute shags. Um, Stad Francais was shocking. But actually, Connacht played really well. Cartier at 10 was phenomenal. They go to Leicester on Sunday. um, And... Actually, to be fair to Connacht, because they've got the bonus point victory already against say, you don't want to say you just go to Leicester and you know a losing bonus point gives you six points after two rounds because they want to go and try and win it. But um, you know it'll be a different test for Leicester than what they used to because Connacht chuck it around a fair bit. And um, looking forward to that game as well.
2: Well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly.
0: Yeah, plenty of good this weekend as ever. Uh, we're going to start off in Newcastle, James.
1: I didn't say it. Weather? No, Someone we'll clear
0: the pitch. No, hell of a night out. But big shout out to Max Wright, who scored the fastest try in European rugby history straight from the kickoff on Friday night against Worcester Warriors, of all places. They got off to a great start. Yeah, they did, James. Uh, what else was good? Irish Provinces, all of them won at the weekend. Leinster spanked Bath. Ulster won over in Claremont. We're going to come back to them in a bit. Munster obviously won over in Coventry against Wasps. And Connacht absolutely dismantled Staff Francais, so a big shout out to all the Irish provinces. Uh, going down to Exeter, but the Scottish influence, James. Johnny Grey, the hat-trick hero. He was the first ever lock to score a hat-trick in the European Champions Cup, even though I swear you must have done, Jim, back in your
1: day. Well, it's not about me, it's about John. It's no biggie. Hat-trick against India, just both hat-trick heroes, ain't
0: <laughs> we? <laughs> there we go, so a big shout out to Johnny Grey. Uh, what else was good? Leicester Tigers continue their winning ways, beating top 14 leaders bordeaux Away, uh that's some start for them. Uh, massive shout out to the Tigers boys. I've I mentioned them in the good every week because they keep winning, but I can't give them the good this week. Sale had a decent win away at Ospreys. We mentioned that earlier. Uh, Anton Dupont, World Player of the Year, announced last week by World Rugby, and then rocks up on a cold Saturday afternoon in Cardiff and produces a hell of a performance for his team. Talking to Cardiff, we're going to give them a shout out in the good. Forty-two players missing. Uh, they had bin men, they had students, they had teachers, they had anyone that could basically play a game of rugby playing for them. They took it to the star-studded Toulouse outfit at the start of the game and put on a performance that every Welshman can be proud of, to be fair, and Welshwoman, um, against all odds. It was a hell of an effort from those boys. What else was good? Rassing, we've got to mention them. Finn Russell and his five guys, alongside the good king, Wenceslas Lorre, scoring a hat-trick in their demolition of Saints. That was pretty good. Uh, but the good this week... Has got to go to Ulster. And I am fanboying again over John Cooney, Nick Timoney, James Hume, Mike Lowry. Lowry. And yeah, it was a phenomenal performance from Ulster. They get the good this week, beating Claremont over in Claremont for the first time ever. Uh, a fantastic start to the European Champions Cup for them. The bad. A uh, couple of bits of bad, James. And we're going to start off with your old team, James, Saracens. They lost at home to Edinburgh. They had the Vunipollers. They had... Max Malins, they had Elliot Daly, They had one of the best players in the Maro. world, Maro Toji. Yeah, Maratoji Toji played. Uh, not captain. a great start. Yeah, your captain, not Eddie Jones's. Or maybe it is Eddie Jones's now, who knows? Um, not a great start to the Challenge Cup for them, but I'm sure they'll bounce back. Um, what else was bad? The three French teams that I'm going to call out on here. Montpellier, Cast, and Stade Francais putting the shags out in round one of the Champions Cup. That ain't good enough, boys. Um, Although Cass put up a bit of a fight against Harlequins, Montpellier and Stade-Francais didn't put up a fight at all. So picking the shags for week one of the Champions Cup. That's not what we're after, French teams. So three of you get a mention in the bad. Um, What else gets a mention? Welsh regions. Unfortunately, they all lost at the weekend. Scarlet's had their game forfeited, and that's obviously you know through... Bad luck as opposed to any other reason around being isolated and having so many players missing, they couldn't put a team out. But the other teams, Osprey's lost. Cardiff obviously lost, but put up a good show. And also the Dragons lost over in Perpignan again. So um, all Welsh regions lost this weekend. Uh, so that gets a mention of the bad. The Saints had their pants pulled down by Racing. rassing. Skid marks were pretty big. 45 points to 14. Defence was optional on Friday night for them, so they get a mention of the bad. But it ain't hard to work out where the bad is going this weekend. He is what's known as a cowboy. Yeah, he's French. I think he's an absolute cowboy of a referee. Roman Poit, with that decision to send off Brad Shields with a red card, it's never a red. Doesn't even make contact with his head for me. Um, Roman Poit, you get the bad this week. And then the ugly. Uh, Three bits of ugly this weekend, actually. Uh, Two of them are involving match kits. I thought the Harlequins kit was pretty ugly.
1: Not the kits. (laughs)
0: The kits were ugly. Uh, The Osprey's kit as well. Who's going for a brownie green kit? No one's buying that. Not Osprey's kit as well. (laughs) Exactly. The Osprey's kit wasn't the best either, so they're pretty ugly. But the ugly this week goes to an ex-teammate of mine, an ex-roommate of mine, who's quite a weird bloke as well, Rory Cockett. He's not everyone's cup of tea. There was a penalty given to him by the referee, a tackle by Alex Dombrant, caught him in the chops by accident. And Rory Cockett spends the next grenade 30 seconds trying to remonstrate with the referee trying to get him binned or sent off or something but he said that's bullshit referee that's bullshit that's absolute bullshit he kept saying bullshit this is bullshit you can't be talking to a referee like that Rory Cockett Uh, pretty ugly scenes in terms of how you've got to show the referee respect even though I've just absolutely hammered Roman Poit but I'm not a player so I can do that (laughs) Um, (laughs) Rory Cockett you get the ugly this week
2: thanks Goody. and you guys got a cup of shout outs to finish off with don't you
0: yeah, a massive shout-out to Dylan Russell, who's doing the 365 Challenge. He's running 35 kilometers every week for a year and raising money for two amazing charities in hearts and balls and support and Offload. So, um, mate, that's a phenomenal effort. 35 k yeah. every week. We can only just dream of that, can't we, James?
1: Yep, good luck, Dylan. And off the back of the shout-out we gave to the Spartans, they've managed to get some new recruits on board. So the Brighton and Hove Sea Serpents... Uh want us to do the same for them now so they can get some new players as well. The Spartans still lost their game 45-0, but it was under 50, so they're out on the smash. I don't know how much we helped them uh, out, but go check the Brighton and Hove Sea Serpents out if you're in the area anyway. Sea Serpents, snakes, is that a snake or not a serpent? Well, a serpent is a mm. snake, James, yes, but Let's see, I, they might not
0: exactly. be snakes. They're the serpents. Serpents sounds better, doesn't it, than snakes? They might have snakes, though.
2: But yeah, big shout-out to you, lads. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie, and thank you very much for listening. We're off for a couple of weeks during the Christmas period. But if you're looking for something to keep you entertained, check out The Andy Rowe Show. And as usual, don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
1: Merry Christmas and the Rugby Spot. Merry Christmas, everyone. Spotty pod, 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 pod. Pod, 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 pod. pod, pod. Rugby pod. (laughs)